Hi, this is Janice Temple, World Black History on Periscope. We will be reading the second essay by Horace Selden. We have no problem again. This was written April 1983, about 20 years ago. Whenever the issue of racism was mentioned in the presence of my white suburban friends, there was always someone to assure us that we don't have that problem here. Pursuing that statement usually led to another one that went something like this. Well, there aren't any black people here, so logic seemed to say, of course, no problem. I knew then that my friends were wrong for a number of reasons. First, they assumed that the problem of racism existed only when people of color were present. The assumption located the problem among black people and other people of color. It failed to see that racism is rooted in white people and in white institutions, whether or not there are black people present. Second, I knew that the absence of many black people was itself part of the problem. Attitudes and practices by the majority white population limited the choice of blacks who may have wanted to live in the suburbs. Third, the no problem argument was an attempt to avoid responsible action. If there's no problem or if the problem is somewhere else, then one is absolved from doing anything. Fourth, I knew that a lot of people in the suburbs were there precisely because they wanted to avoid urban problems, and that many of my friends equated urban problems with the presence of racial minorities. To assert that we have no problem here was to distance themselves from the city. That was some time ago, and while the no problem attitude still persists, it is argued in slightly different forms now. One of the new statements of the no problem syndrome proceeds from an assumption that there is no problem of racism unless there is some overt incident which expresses hatred and bigotry. Recently, a high school principal assured me within minutes of our introduction that we have no race problem here. That meant there had been no stabbing, no violence, and no racially motivated incident in the school. Before seeing the principal, I had already talked with a number of students, both black and white, and a couple of teachers. They had all told me of the presence of racism in a variety of forms in the classrooms, corridors, and school activities. But the principal made it his priority to assure me that there was no problem. In the no problem view, the word problem is used almost exclusively to refer to an incident of bigotry. Someone calls a name, a racial slur appears in graffiti, an openly discriminatory act occurs. When something like that occurs, people on the site and in the community are quick to respond, ready to condemn it, and hopefully equipped to administer a just solution. In many instances, after the initial response, everyone goes back to business as usual as quickly as possible. A collective sigh of relief goes up as everyone says again, we have no problem. It is the underlying ever-present problem that is seldom addressed. Most white people don't believe it is there. They don't want to have it pointed out 
are eager to leave it alone. So the inculturated, institutionalized base of the problem goes untreated. It remains the festering bed of the next incident. There is a second interesting way in which the no problem argument appears. A recent experience on a college campus is an example. I was on a campus to conduct discussions about racism with a number of different people. A number of the faculty and administrators were concerned that I might be stirring something up and thus create a problem. That response embodies two contrary assumptions. First, it betrays a fear that a placid, no-problem setting will be disturbed. There is no problem here, so what are you looking for? Why are you here? Any problems will be your creations, so be careful and leave as quickly and quietly as possible, please. I will continue on. This is Janice Temple of World Black History on Periscope with We Have No Problem Again, Part 2 by Horace Selden. I have had enough time and talked to enough people who did acknowledge the presence of a problem. The statement of a no problem was then seen as a way of keeping that placid exterior calm. So we are not far from the second and contrary assumption behind the don't stir up something please. That second assumption is there is something to be stirred up. If there was no problem, then there would be no need to be concerned about stirring up something because the something to be stirred up would be non-existent. Don't stir up anything is a plea to avoid the problem. It may be founded in fear that the problem isn't in fact more pervasive, more difficult, more present than people want to deal with. Bury it. It will go away. But don't disturb anybody or anything. The no problem response to racism is usually heard from white people and usually in institutional settings where there are few people of color. Since I have not yet found an institution where there is no problem, my assumption always is that we simply have to uncover it. It doesn't take long for most people of color to say there is a problem. If the problem is not identified, and if there are no mechanisms for continually dealing with the problem, it is more likely to erupt in an ugly form at another day and time. As with most problems, it is best to identify it, respond to it, and support, provide support for everyone in the situation while attempting to move beyond racism. To leave the sore unattended is to invite a more serious manifestation later. People of color can tell you where the problem is and what its effects are. White people who have been sensitized to racism can also be helpful. The important thing is to put aside fear of the problem because it is a human problem which can be solved by people of goodwill. Our cultural our culture is deeply ingrained with racism. Our institutions are founded on it. As long as we move in this culture and in the institution of this culture, assume a problem of racism. Don't fear it, discover it, uncover it, even stir it up if necessary. Then we can begin to deal with it. If we don't do that, then we'll soon be right back at the same old place. We have no problem again. 
and this is an essay by Horace Selden titled We Have No Problem Again, written April 1983, and this is taken from Horace Selden's Essays on Identifying Racism. Thank you for listening. Please do share this out and subscribe to our station, World Black History on Periscope. And we will be sharing more of Harris Selden, Horace Selden's articles. Horace Selden was a National Park Ranger for 18 years. He created and co-taught a course at Boston College on racial justice. He's also the founder of Community Change Incorporated, as well as Beacon Hill Scholars. Horace was just honored with Horace Selden Day by the City of Boston on June 18, 2017. And uh, we are reading this uh, to continue Horace's work on fighting racial um, injustice in American society. Thank you for joining. Hi, this is Janice Temple of World Black History on Periscope. I have been uh, reading Horace Selden's essays on racism, and uh, they are very enlightening to me. As an African-American woman, I have never read anything like this in my life. <laughs> um, it's mind-blowing to me that a white person would write about racism. Not only write about racism, but create a course to be taught at Boston College and, and then to teach the course for 25 years. It's just amazing to me. And just to, so the course was called The History and Development of Racism in the United States. I do wish that I could have taken the course, but I feel like by reading some of his essays that I may be taking the course. Um, I would love to be able to dialogue with him. Unfortunately, Horace has passed. Horace Selden has passed. Um, so going back to the 70s when I was in high school, probably encountering racism for the first time. In my early years, I went to a Lutheran high school, which was predominantly white. Um, and, and just reading um, about what racism is in terms of whites from the white point of view, that is so rarely expressed, I think, in America. And I'm glad that he, let, he left a legacy of um, Community Change Incorporated, that he left the legacy of the course that he taught. It is my hope that the course, History and Development of Racism in the United States at Boston College um, will be expanded. I think that more African Americans need to hear the point of view from whites on racism um, this is not a dialogue that's being had. It would be wonderful to have this 
dialogue in high school. Not everyone gets to go to college. Um, so I, I think this is an appropriate topic for high school. Uh, maybe it will open doors and enlighten others. So those are my thoughts and uh, some of the reasons for my reading this. Um, because to me, it's like earth-shaking. Uh, read, just reading the white point of view on racism and a so-called liberal, as he calls himself, point of view on racism. Um, and I'm changing horses emojis from books, the American flag, and peace to the fire symbol. His nickname was Man on Fire by those, by his family and friends and those who knew him well. So his new emoji is now fire because he was a man on fire. He definitely stirred the pot. He definitely um, came to make a change and make a difference. And so that's Horace Selden. So please continue on. You're welcome to join us on Anchor at Janice Temple and call in and share your thoughts on any of his essays. So appreciate you. And please do share out our uh, podcast. Thank you for listening.